Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the My name's Nick, for those of you who don't know. A few years back, I was on The Bachelorette, found love, had my heart broken. So uh, trust me when I tell you, I know exactly what you guys are going through. Emotions move very quickly. I've also been in Katie's shoes. And I can tell you, having talked to her, how serious she is about this ending in love and hopefully an engagement. Also being in Katie's shoes, I can tell you that our biggest fear of being in this position is getting to know people and falling in love with them but not knowing everything about them. So I'm here to hold you guys accountable. Today's about being truthful and sharing with Katie the things that maybe we're not so proud of. Stories like people have led women on, ghosting, cheating, someone trying to be, next bachelor. 
Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And tonight we just witnessed some historic plays. I cannot wait to dive into this with you, Pace Case. The things we saw, the I things know. we heard. I still am reeling from some of it. This was my favorite episode we've seen so far. I know that we maybe disagree on this. <laughs> I loved it. It had some things in it, certainly, that were elevated, shall we say, in terms of gameplay. Uh, but before we begin, we're going to be discussing this on Thursday's episode. But today, we're recording this on Monday. Today, Rachel Lindsay released an article that she wrote for Vulture that detailed her entire experience in the show from being cast specifically to be the Bachelorette on Nick Vial season, which she corroborates. Mm -hmm. She said an insider told her that that much was true. She goes all the way through her experiences of being the Bachelorette and having uh, Lee Garrett cast on her season specifically because he was racist. Everything that we've always talked about on our show, she corroborates it in this article and says so much yeah. more. It is mandatory reading. It's probably the most important piece of writing that has ever been done in, about, or around our beloved game. So if you have not checked that out, please go do so. We have links to it up, I believe, on Gore. I definitely have links to it in my story that will probably still be there by the time this comes out. Maybe not. But check it out. It's easily we'll repost found. repost it tomorrow, <laughs> if not. <laughs> you can go to google.com and search for Rachel Lindsay article and you will find it. It is mandatory reading as far as I'm concerned. A super important piece of writing. It's unbelievable. It's like exactly the type of thing that I always wanted to hear from Rachel Lindsay but never thought we would get the full the full Rachel and we really got it and it was fucking amazing and I've never felt more complicit in my love for our beloved game as I do today after reading that article yeah you definitely don't want to read it and then try to watch the show <laughs> that's a hard thing to do <laughs> but we did it because we're so deep in the we fucking pit we must continue so Tonight's big game opened with the smooth vocals of that new voiceover guy. We still don't know his name. We just know it's not Dark Lord Harrison. And he says, it's tonight, Nick Vial. It's not Nick Vial either. <laughs> Although he did make an appearance tonight, and we will get to that. But the voiceover guy tells us tonight on The Bachelorette, and we see some previews for what this episode is going to be about. We see Michael getting some kisses. We see Thomas saying he feels a strong pull toward Katie. We see Katie in tears. We see Carl's on the chopping block. We see Carl doing some weird shadow boxing by himself in a room, which we'll get to. And we see uh, <laughs> Thomas is being accused of making a mockery of everything. And it looks like Carl and Thomas are going to be our villains for tonight. And indeed, that's what happens. Getting into the main show, we pick up where we left off. It is nighttime. The cocktail party is concluding. Aaron and Carl are going after it. The guys are basically all pissed because Carl is still dicking with them. His second audience <laughs> game at this point is com it's destroyed. Everyone hates him. Every one of these guys is like, this is bullshit. Trey asks if this is the Twilight Zone or if yeah. he's being Are punked. we being punked? I love the mixed metaphors. Andrew S. is pleading with Carl. There's turtles, Carl. Essentially, that's what he's saying. Justin is turtling. Katie says to all of them that her mindset is bad, so there's not going to be a cocktail party. And she says, so that being said, see you guys later. 
I don't think we've talked about the phrase, so that being said, it is such a staple of our beloved game. Everyone says it in every opportunity they can. It's just the most commonly used transition phrase. That being said, let's head to Rose or whatever the thing may be. It's just a way to segue out of whatever you were just talking about to get to the next thing. Here's my next sentence. But Carl's accusation of multiple people being here for TWR for the wrong reasons, this accusation is starting to dwindle almost immediately. He's cut it down now to the one person, this mystery 4TWR player that needs to come (laughs) out, show themselves. And everybody's like, who the fuck are you talking about, dude? So Carl has generated a complete lie here. And his intention with it was to blow up all the other guys, to basically just sow discord within the group. It's an interesting strategy if you can pull it off, and we're clearly saying that Carl cannot. No, if you're going to do a general tattle, there needs to be something that the lead can hold on to to make it seem like you're not just completely bullshitting. Like Katie Thurston did a general tattle on Matt James's season, but there was truth behind it, and Matt James did find it and then targeted specific individuals. But yeah, this is not working for Carl. (laughs) Carl keeps saying he's not putting anyone on blast. And when he says that, We get this quick shot of Justin here, and he reveals himself in this moment to be the face player of the season. He's done a couple other minor face plays, Mm -hmm. but this moment is where... He's done some colorful narration. Done some colorful narration. He's given us some, you know, big eyes. He's given us some kind of like raises of eyebrows. And here, he gives us a little more. There's almost an eye roll in this version of his face play, and we're going to see more and more face play from Justin throughout the entire game tonight. But this is where he really first kind of kicked it off. I think the eyebrows are really doing it for him. When Katie comes out and tells all these dudes, we're going to go straight to Rose ceremony. There's not going to be a cocktail party. Usually... That job, delivering that information, is handled by the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord is not there. It could have been handled by Taisha. It could have been handled by Caitlin or both of them. Instead, the producers force Katie out there to do this dirty work of basically saying, players, you have done something so bad that now the structure (laughs) of the game is destroyed. You have fucked it up that bad. And then Katie goes off uh, to cry, basically, by herself. I missed the buffer of having the host do that because there's mm-hmm. something that kind of, it protects your lead when you have the yeah. hosts do this dirty work. And in this instance, I felt like the producers were not protecting her. I agree. It elevates the lead when you have the host come out and say that those things for them. It also makes it seem more like... She's so devastated she can't even come out and talk to them. So they're really scared. I mean, right now they can see her face. They know exactly how emotionally devastated she is. But then something happens that this is the second time we're seeing this this season. We saw it with Andrew Spencer last week. A mid between cocktail party and rose ceremony, a knock knock is performed. And who performs the knock-knock? Greg Grippo. He checks on Katie. She says she has insecurities. And Greg agrees with her, says, if Carl has a problem, he should be coming to us as men. And this seems to work. 
Katie's smiling at him. It gives him a little extra time that the other guys don't get. And I would wager to say that Grippo doesn't get to do this knock-knock unless he got that third audience helping him do it. So they have shown him favor by giving him the FIMP, by giving him the mm -hmm. first one-on-one, -on -one, and now by giving him this extra little one-on-one -on -one time here when Katie is distressed. Carl, meanwhile, is still back in the main room with the other guys trying to get this mystery 4TWR <laughs> player to come forward. And then he walks off. All of the other guys are incredibly pissed <laughs> off at him. And Trey calls him a worm. And that is the end yeah. of the first <laughs> 10 minutes of tonight's big game. Trey calls Carl a worm. And he says, why are you like this? Trey has given <laughs> us some great memeable lines here. <laughs> Portion two, we come back. The guys are still talking about Carl and his 4TWR allegations. Connor, said, Connor B says he made her doubt her relationship with each of us. Carl, meanwhile, is in another room. He has taken off his jacket and he is doing fake punches at an innocent wall hanging. And kicks. He's doing full shadow kickboxing in a room by himself, getting pumped up. This was some weird shit. Like, I'm really looking at this when I'm watching it. And I'm like, who the fuck is he doing this for? Because the way they have the camera set up in that room, the shot they're giving us, it's implying like security footage. But I don't yeah. think it is. Like, is that an automated camera that's just in that room? Or is that a camera person up on a chair I mean, I'm or sure something? I'm sure they have security cameras in every room. You think that's a camera person up on a chair? I or I don't know, but I just keep asking myself <laughs> when I'm watching this, who is he putting on this show for? He has to know he's being filmed. He has to know that he's giving this footage to the producers at the very least, but if no one's in that room with him... 100%. Is he genuinely shadow kickboxing by himself? To like what does it Steve? mean to genuinely shadow kickbox? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. When I was probably 12 or 13 years old, oh my, boy. <laughs> my friend and I, we would go out in his backyard. He had kind of a big backyard and we would play wiffle ball and, you know, hit wiffle balls over his fence and play like home run derby. And uh -huh. we, this one day we wholesome. heard, what's that? Wholesome. Yeah, totally wholesome. This one day we heard like some weird grunting uh, coming from across the alley. And so we peek up over his fence. We climb up on like the boards that go crossways and we peek over the fence and there's this guy in a garage across the alley who has a heavy bag and he is headbutting this heavy bag. He's not punching it. He's not kicking it. He's just going ooh, ooh, headbutting this bag to no one. Like this is just how he's blowing off steam. I think that doesn't sound like shadow anything. It sounds like you're watching a man have a mental breakdown. I, I assume he just did this every once in a while. I mean, he had a fucking heavy bag. He had that for some kind of a reason. So I think maybe there's a possibility that Carl's doing this to genuinely blow off steam. That he's just gotten in a tough situation. He's like, I got to work this out. But he's also on a reality show. So he has to know that this is being yes. shot. He has to assume it's going to be used in some way. So he's trying to present some version of himself that is this shadow kickboxer which I found to be a mistake. It is very much a show. Carl is putting on a whole... He's trying to put on a show, at least. Then we get a... Then we get an ITM from Virgin Mike. He says, We have a responsibility to protect the queen. This is very Casey Call energy from Bachelorette Season 6. We must guard and protect her heart. 
And then we cut to the rose ceremony. All the guys are there on the risers except for Carl, who comes in last. The producers have held him back to build that drama. And Katie comes into the rose ceremony, ITMing that she's concerned about some of the guys being there for TWR. She's really playing up this idea. The producers have told her, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kick off Carl. You got to bring him out there. And pre-Rose Ceremony speech, she says she is here to find a husband and fall in love. And she's hoping that that is what everyone else is here for. But she's still very confused, but she's going to follow her heart. First four roses are David, First Flower, Hunter, Connor C., Mike P., and then, as Mike P. accepts <laughs> his rose, something very interesting happens. Mike uh-huh. P. stops the proceedings and initiates a unionization. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. I've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything. No one's ever seen anything like this because it's never fucking happened. Mike P stops after he gets his rose, takes Katie Thurston's hands and says, we all think what Carl said wasn't the truth. And as a unit, we feel that's what you need to hear. I don't know if Mike P listens to our podcast, but this is the first second audience unionization play that has forced a player out of the game we have ever fucking seen. And in this moment, We are starting to see the power of the second audience, the power to shape the game itself, to ostracize and eliminate another player, if you can all get on the same page. Katie basically asks all the other guys if they feel the same way. They all nod, and that's it. Carl's fucking hung out to dry. You know immediately there's no surviving this. It's the most catastrophic second audience game we've ever seen, and Carl's second audience game was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. <laughs> it's like, yes, he got taken down by a unionization play, but Jesus Christ, dude, what are you doing? The shadow kickboxing, the Phantom I mean, 4 TWR. Just a second on the unionization play. This was a mid-rose ceremony, general reverse tattle unionization play. We have seen rivalries fight before during rose ceremony. There was even a grievance section of rose ceremonies during one season where everybody would bitch at each other before it started. But in the modern era, we've never we've never seen anything like this. And I'm wondering, would Virgin Mike have done this if he didn't have such a high RQ? Like he was the fourth rose. If he were 14th? Do you think he would have been so brave? No, but I also think this is producers finagling this. Because if they did have this discussion all in that big room with each other, the producers obviously saw them having the conversation that they were like, we should all team up, stand together, and we can get rid of Carl. The producers knew that was in the works. They probably pulled Mikey aside and said, hey, we want you to be the guy who voices this. We're going to make you go up number four. Like, all this is arranged. Nonetheless, he did make the play. You think this was at the hand of the producers? No, I think that the guys came up with the idea. And I think that the producers kind of decided who was going to be the mouthpiece to some degree. And I think with Mike P 
he being the mouthpiece, the leader, the foreman of this, the chairman of this <laughs> union, I think because he's so religious, he has a PVC, I think it comes off as a very 4TRR unionization play. It doesn't seem like bullying if he's the guy out front. Right. No, I definitely think it came off very 4TRR. I just think if you were going to do something that is against the producers, the time to do it is the rose ceremony because it's all being filmed. You can't really retake that. <laughs> no, and that's, you know, we've talked about that before on our show as well. Yeah. That if you want to make some kind of bombastic play, do it at the rose ceremony while you're getting a rose because mm-hmm. there's no way to cut around that. Yes. And he did it fantastically. That's why it was my play of the game. It was not my play of the game. Or my error. You had another error? I had a different error, yeah. Holy shit. I can't wait to hear this. All right. Well, portion three begins. All this crazy shit has happened. We had our unionization play. We've only given out four roses. Katie goes into the hallway where Tasha and Caitlin are waiting to counsel her. And she tells them that she's facing the unionization play and they all want Carl to go home. She doesn't know what to do because originally she says she plans to keep Carl. This to me is just mired in producer manipulation. The producers decide that rose order. They determine who is staying, who is going, and what order they're going to be kicked off. So they had to tell her at some point, keep Carl. But they also knew about this unionization play. I think they're just twisting her up at this point to see how she's going to react. I think she was absolutely told to keep Carl. And I think the producers wanted to keep Carl. That's why I think this is such a strong play. But the ultimate girl gang says it's her decision. Oh, my God. I laughed so fucking hard at that when they were like, it's your decision. I was like, none of these decisions are hers. This is all producers. (laughs) And then the producers try to drum up some kind of false tension with Aaron and Carl. Like, who's going to go home? The the final rose is going to be between these two guys because they have Aaron ITM that if he goes home, it's going to be a big mistake. Yeah, Aaron uses some questionable language in his ITM saying Carl should have been exterminated a long time ago. Did he really say that? Holy fuck. That's intense. Uh, Then Katie comes back into the rose ceremony room. Trey is ITMing that he's pissed and he will make this a living hell for Carl (laughs) if he doesn't go home. (laughs) (laughs) That shit is fucking hilarious to me because it's also like, do none of these guys understand this is a fucking game? The producers are playing you all. Do none of them get that? It's so funny for Trey to get so riled up by this because he's famously a vegetarian. None of the beef, I'm a vegetarian. But he's got lots of beef. <laughs> and Carl does an ITM, a mid-rose ceremony ITM saying... You have to get the military to drag me out. I'm not going. Right. And we're going to find out it doesn't take the military after all. Katie continues the rose ceremony. Michael gets a rose. Connor B, Courtney Trey, Justin, Andrew M, Christian, Josh, Brennan, James. And then Tasha and Caitlin emerge into the rose ceremony room for the final rose. Tasha delivers the dark touch. And the last rose goes to Aaron, of course. And Caitlin and Tasha reemerge. Guys, if you do not receive a rose, I'm so sorry. And please say your goodbyes. This is not close to the Tam Sig. It is a butchering of that beautiful poem. Mm. 
Goodbye, Carl. Goodbye, good guy, John. Goodbye, Kyle. Goodbye, Garrett. Carl walks out without a hug. Thurston doesn't even look at him. And if there were any members of the military who dragged him out, they were cut for time. (laughs) 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 The guys do clap for John leaving. And then they they clap basically for Katie's choice as well. And those that remain, cheers to finding love and being here for the right reasons. They button it up very nicely. This 4TWR accusation that has led us from the end of last episode all the way through the first of this episode is now over. Or so we think. Portion four begins. And some of the guys are in the hot tub discussing how she's eliminating the cocky guys. And we get the first group date card. Aaron, Courtney, James, Connor B, David, Justin, Thomas, Hunter, Brendan. Love is about honesty, and I need 100%. And the guys freak out because this date card does not say heart Katie on it. Even though Katie doesn't have anything to do with these cards. (laughs) Yeah, I found this very strange. They made a big deal over the dot, dot, dot. Not a heart, not a love Katie. It's like... It seemed very weird. And it also seemed weird that the producers would include it. It's a, it's really kind of a nonsense piece of material. It's an ominous, like, build up. Like, what is this group date going to be? And the first group date is. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Group therapy slash the PTC circle with Nick Vial. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, this is the circle of pain. <laughs> <laughs> Will they walk through the curtains she takes them all into that building and she parts the curtains and you just get a shot of nick vial sitting under this fucking like spotlight in this weird circle of chairs i mean this looks like some kind of ritual or an aa meeting yeah exactly and nick vial is sitting at one of those uncomfortable chairs lit up in the darkness and he was my jorge 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 moreno Bystander of the week. Week, 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 week. I thought that would annoy you. <laughs> what? Why? I thought that would annoy you to call him a bystander. <laughs> Your goat. No, it doesn't annoy me at all. It's just another award that he gets to put on his shelf. Oh my god. Another feather in his cap. Dang it, this has backfired. <laughs> this is like my Carl, like Carl General Tattle. <laughs> and now Virgin Mike is pulling a fucking That's Hail Mary unionization play. <laughs> Dang it. 
<laughs> I was hoping to get some reaction, maybe a face. No. <laughs> All love. Oh, shit. Uh, but Nick introduces himself, says he fell in love and was heartbroken, was on The Bachelorette. And he knows our, our biggest fear of being in this position is getting to know people and falling in love and not knowing everything about them. I'm here to hold you guys accountable. Share some things that we're not proud of. For instance, leading women on, ghosting, cheating, and someone trying to be the next Bachelor. These are all the main categories Katie deserves to know before she risks her feelings further. So... In his explanation of what this group date is going to be, he's basically saying you have to air your dirty laundry. You have to tell us bad shit about yourself, but also specifically trying to be the next Bachelor. So the producers have already heard Thomas talking about this. They're already very clearly aware that that's going to be a storyline they're using. They have told him to say this. Vial plays the company man here, as we know he's going to. And it just sets a very strange tone to me when he says that specific phrase that it's like, come on, what? Like, how do you know that this fucking guy, Thomas is, that's basically his, it's a version of his PTC even before he says it. I just love Nick Vile trying to explain this group date because this is the furthest thing from a date that you all have to sit in an uncomfortable circle and air your trauma to Katie and Nick Vile. (laughs) It's so stripped down. In the prior <laughs> seasons, we've seen them have to like make art on Tasha's season. Yes. And the art is connected to a PTC. But there's like kind of a fun element of that. You get to reveal this art piece. You get to make something. There's something actually happening on the date. Uh, there's also yes. been like lie detectors. There's an element of comedy in the lie detector where they'll ask you, you know, do you wash your hands after you pee? No. There's like some element of entertainment in that. This is just folding chairs, a fucking spotlight, and the worst shit you can say. That's the date. Yes. Circle of pain, baby. It's fucking terrible. And so when he tells him all this, every one of these guys takes a couple of minutes and we linger on shots of them while they're all figuring out what they're actually going to say because they've been prompted to tell us bad shit about themselves, but they know it can't be insanely bad it can't be something (laughs) like i've murdered but it also can't be like too clean it can't be like well you know i just really love polka music and that's crazy it's got to be like some weight to it but not enough Mm -hmm. that it's going to sink you so there is a little bit of an adept move that all these guys are going to have to do to satisfy this group date Hunter starts off guns blazing with a public love level one declaration. I've already developed significant feelings for Katie and out of respect to her and myself, there's a lot she still has to learn. And then he tells this story about how he got married to this woman and they had a child, two children, and then he shifted priorities. He's a little vague about what has happened, but basically says that he destroyed his failed at marriage and that it hurts him because it doesn't just affect me, but it affects two amazing kids. So he's really leading it off to like, you gotta go for it. Yeah, I mean, this was what would have otherwise been a straight heartbreak PTC. If he plays this on a one-on-one or some other group date that doesn't require them all to sit in a circle, look one another in the eyes and tell each other their darkest secrets. If it wasn't on that, he could have gotten away with just saying like, I was married before our priorities shifted. We have two kids together and like, I learned a lot from it, blah, blah, blah. He, we still get that, but here it's weighted with the self blame that he feels bad 
and Katie conjures tears as a result. Aaron talks about a similar kind of relationship ending because he wasn't the man he wanted to be. After he says that his dad got sick, he plays a, a sick dad PTC. We get a, David speaks for the first time, gets a heartbreak PTC about choosing his career over love. He's still in it. I still have all of my final four in. Amazing. I have Grippo Mixon, Kyle Howard, Connor Brennan. Did Kyle get eliminated in that first Kyle, race? Ceremony? Kyle left. Just No, Damn he it. just left at this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, then we have Courtney talking about trust issues in his past relationship. Jason says something that gets railroaded by montage music and a spinning shot of the circle of pain. They do a very nice cinematic kind of spin around the circle as these guys are talking. They're like, we know you don't care about Boxman's PTC. <laughs> he later goes like that. I'm really glad I got that off my chest. He says that later. I'm like, oh, you didn't make the edit. <laughs> and then Thomas admits that he didn't come in for the right reasons. He says his approach was honestly about building a platform from being on the show, but now he has real feelings and he thinks that they're reciprocated. He says he'll tell her any secret he's ever had. He went on a date the week before he came on the show. And then Aaron starts ITM and he doesn't understand what Thomas is doing. That is correct. Thomas is self-sabotaging here. It is a very bad play. And Aaron begins to call his grin the clown from a Stephen King novel. <laughs> I'm assuming that novel is it. And he says that his speech sounded like a sales pitch. Definitely, he's getting the sociopath cut here. They're making uh, Thomas out to be a true villain. Yes. Aaron has a new rival slash target for elimination. First, his target was Sex Doll Cody. And now, it is Love Bomber Thomas, who Love Level, publicly Love Level won in that red flag speech as well. And then in portion five, we come back to the circle of pain and Connor B is going to get the final spotlight here. He says he's terrified to talk about whatever he's about to say. And he says it would have been something he would have told her in private, but he's got to do it here now. He says he already cares a lot about her, public LL1 in front of the other guys. And he basically admits that when he was 24 or 25, he dropped out of grad school, started working in a dueling piano bar, got blackout drunk almost every night, wound up cheating on his girlfriend, and destroyed his life. It was something he had a lot of guilt about, but he has used that to transform into a better person. This is the way he laid this PTC out, perfection. Absolute yes. perfection. This bad thing I did or that has happened to me taught me something, and as a result, I am now a better person who can no longer ever do those things. Absolutely fucking perfect. Katie tears a little and says it's her turn now to tell something. And this was the most dramatic moment of the entire episode. We should give a trigger warning here. We are going to discuss sexual assault. So if you want to skip the next few minutes, go ahead and do that. Katie says, you guys have been great about being open and vulnerable. So I'm going to do the same what I'm going to tell you, a lot of people don't know, including my own mom. I know you see me today as this very sex-positive woman who's very confident, but she hasn't always been here. 
10 years ago, it was New Year's Eve and I had been drinking and I was involved in a situation where there wasn't consent and that is not something I wish upon anybody. And I was in denial about what happened so much so that I tried to form a relationship with him because I didn't want to believe what had actually happened. When that didn't work out for years, I had a very unhealthy relationship with sex. I didn't want to have sex, which affects relationships. I didn't like talking about sex. Katie playing this sexual assault PTC was my play of the game. Based on the RAIN statistics, one out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. I am positive that Katie is not the first bachelorette who has been sexually assaulted. The second bachelorette, Meredith Phillips, was assaulted shooting her own season. And the other time that this has come up was 2019. Kaylin Miller Keys shared the story of her own sexual assault in college uh, during season 23. But Katie is the first bachelorette to share this story during her season. I found it incredibly brave. I'm sure she's going to get all sorts of reactions, a lot of support, a lot of hate. I'm, you know, as these things go, but it is a very important moment for the show. Katie also posted resources, including the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 800-656-HOPE to her Instagram concurrently with this airing. And she wrote that many survivors have already reached out to her to share their own stories. Um, yeah, I just truly, I know we don't normally give the play of the game to leads, but I thought this was remarkable and important. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, <laughs> it brought me to tears. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. It is one of the most important moments for any Bachelorette in the history of the show. It's historic. And it did take a lot of courage to do that, especially on a reality TV show, especially on one like this where you don't know exactly how they're going to edit you, how they're going to present this. It's, yeah. uh, it's a tough thing to do, and she did it. And, you know, as we've been talking about all season, she really is kind of a a new style of bachelorette. And I think this plays right into Mm -hmm. that. Her degree of candor and honesty about this was just astounding. And sexual assault discussion. If anyone wants to jump back into the podcast, is this helpful? (laughs) Yeah, I know it's like, it's heavy, but it's, you know, sometimes the show will dip into heavy shit. The conversation Tasha had with Ivan Hall, that was a heavy fucking Mm -hmm. conversation, but it's, these are the moments I feel like when this show is relevant, when it's not just some kind of saccharine, stupid, guilty pleasure, when it's actually kind of punching through the TV a little bit and being like, these people are real. Like, I know we talk about them as players and I know that in many cases we can see them as like TV characters or whatever. And we hate the villains and we love the good guys and whatever. But every once in a while, the show will let us through into some kind of real moment in one of these people's lives. And I, I think that happened here. You know, this is like reality TV kind of inching towards its best. And it's so rare to see that in The Bachelor because usually it's reality TV at its worst. 
<laughs> right. And just like the conversation between Tasha and Ivan, it's a conversation that's being blasted into households that maybe wouldn't normally think about or discuss this type of content. Maybe there are other survivors who are seeing this who are relating to it. You know, in like, it's a very glamorous position, the bachelorette, like, coveted sort of American dream type thing. And so to see that and be like, this person is a survivor and they can be the bachelorette. I don't know. I think it's, yeah. It's good. I completely agree. And then after we come out of Katie's historic play, Vial thanks her for sharing. And then he says, the truth is a powerful thing. It brings us closer together. (laughs) And you must remember, he is saying this on a reality TV show that is based on a gigantic lie. And he himself has been complicit in telling lie after lie after lie in service of the larger lie that this show is about helping people find love. And here he's telling us the truth brings us closer together. Loved it. It was a perfect company man moment for him. (laughs) Rachel Lindsay published some of his lies today. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And they drastically underused the goat here. He was barely in this episode. They walked in. They saw him in the circle of pain. Why is he doing the circle of pain? It should have been a licensed therapist. His qualifications are that he answers dating advice on Instagram stories. I don't know. That's pretty circle of pain leader worthy in my mind. (laughs) I hope he makes the circle of pain a regular part of his podcasts. (laughs) Oh my God. Today's Friday. It's circle of pain day. That's one of the podcasts on his new podcast network. The circle of pain. Yeah. I'll listen to it. Then all the players group hug. They thank each other. And that is the end of portion five. Portion six begins. We see some workout equipment in the morning. We see a deer walking along the stones of New Mexico. And this deer was not my creature of the week. <laughs> Sorry, dear. A few players are lounging around on the workout equipment talking about communication. Michael A. is among them. He's telling some of the other players that he has a different set of things that come with him. And he ITMs being a single dad is a big part of who he is. And he needs time to discuss his life with Katie. He's loading a massive PTC here. He has not found the right time for it. And he's talking uh, to the other guys about meeting his wife in 2003. They were together for 16 years. Seven months after she had their child, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she died two years ago. He produces tears and he tells them that overnight his life flipped upside down. So he has given us the entire PTC loaded here to these other guys. And we are now very aware of the fact he's going to be getting the one-on-one date because they're not going to load something like this without paying it off. It was also a perfect loading of the PTC. It came off extremely for TRR, like he was just bonding with his friends and was worried about telling his girlfriend about this thing, producing tears. And then night falls, and all the guys who are on the group date show up for the after party. The group date rose is on the table. Katie joins them after a brief conversation about protecting her feelings. She toasts, today was a great time, she says. <laughs> felt transformative and she thanks them for being vulnerable and honest cheers to a good night and she itms that she doesn't know who she's gonna give the rose to tonight but the producers do and we get one-on-one time with justin he opens with a how you doing 
She says today was a lot, but she feels really good about opening up and being in safe space, and it was liberating. He says he wants to learn more about her, and she tells him he shows up for her every day, and that means a lot to her. He gets a kiss as they take a Polaroid together. And then Connor B. gets one-on-one time. Connor B. has been working so hard. He's been doing the most, and he continues to do that on this group date. He says, I want to make sure you're okay. I'm sorry that happened to you. Thanks for trusting us. And she says she felt relieved. He says, I think it's great. You're open about everything. He says, my biggest goal was bringing my whole self, being genuine and honest. And he says, you're perceptive. You have a way of seeing people. And I haven't felt seen that way in a long time. This was almost my play of the game. (laughs) I mean, look, (laughs) this season is nothing if not a master class from two expert practitioners of shy style. And here we got to see one of them. Connor B is saying, people don't see me. I'm so shy. I'm invisible. (laughs) But you see me. You see me because you can see shy style. You appreciate my shy style. It was beautifully played. He's really going all in on shy style, but he's up against Grippo, who I think is going to get the best of him in this shy style duel. We will find out. Grippo was largely absent from this entire episode. Time will tell. But it produces a wonderful reaction in Katie. She says, I think you're a catch. You really are. And they make out. And then Connor B, after they kiss, he does fireworks gestures with his hands. This is like trying to recreate what he would get if he were on Grippo's level, the real fireworks. He has only pantomime fireworks. Like, oh, I'm blown away by it. That's a shy style maneuver as well. I got from this, by the way, when they made out that she's not quite as into him as she used to be. That's what I got out of it. Oh, wow. It seemed what, like that. What, what gives you that uh, impression? I don't know. It could have been editing, but it didn't seem like she really wanted to be in that makeout. She did it for a couple Ooh. seconds, and then she got the fuck out and kind of laughed it off. You got your chemistry glasses on. I got all the glasses on, all <laughs> times. I got my shy style, my chemistry, my 4TWR, my self-sabotage, my shadow kickboxing, my sociopath, psychopath, 4TWR, my, oh my God, circle of pain. Oh, my God. I got on my pain glasses today. Oh, my God. I don't even... Like sometimes I'm I'm just so deep in this that I don't realize like how like unhinged we both are. And sometimes it's crystallized in a little moment and that moment really really did it for me. I'm so far <laughs> down in it like I don't even I, I can't see anything anymore. It doesn't matter how many fucking glasses I got on. All I see is fucking darkness. I can't see my hand in front of my face because I'm just down in the the bottom cranny of the fucking pit talking to myself about circles of pain and shit. The pit is actually located beneath the circle of pain. Fun fact. In Dallas. So anyway, then Thomas gets some one-on-one time. It's like, what are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing? Well, (laughs) let's get to it. Speaking of unhinged, Thomas's one-on-one. He says he's so thankful to share these moments. Sorry for squeezing your hand. He crushed it. 
And Katie says, you mentioned your list of red flags. <laughs> I'm curious to discuss what you wanted to share on that topic. And Thomas says, well, my biggest thing I want you to know, I didn't ask for you, but I believe when two people come together, it's for a reason. Katie, it feels like you're dodging the question. I want to hear them. Thomas, ask me anything. Katie, I don't know what to ask. And this <laughs> dodging of red flags by Red Flag Thomas was my error, 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 error of the game. He could have just given some easy ones. I was too good to work. I sacrificed my relationships or I dated around very casually, but I had walls up and now I'm ready to get serious. I was cheated on. Whatever. This red flag convo ends up being kissless. So this makes him spiral out and have to go steal to get quality one-on-one time to try to up a fake love level about fear and love and get a kiss, thereby sacrificing his second audience game. Completely blew it up. And she seems into it. She leans into their makeouts. Yeah, which is strange to me. And I don't know if that's all acting. If the producers are like, he's going to be the villain. You got to keep him around for a little while. I don't exactly get it. Is it possible she sincerely is into the guy? I, I guess. I don't know. Like, I've been learning about this topic called love bombing. Have you heard of this? Love what? Love bombing. No. It's a phrase to describe. Let me just actually get the real definition here. Love bombing is an attempt to influence a person by demonstrations of attention and affection. It happens when someone overwhelms the victim with loving words or physical actions with manipulative behaviors. So it's basically like you are saying I love you, your love level fouring right off the bat, or giving extravagant gifts as a form of manipulation. Luke P style. Yes. Interesting. Luke P was definitely love bombing. Um, but it's definitely, it's associated with narcissists, mm-hmm. disrespecting boundaries, etc. I I agree with you. Thomas mishandled this. It was just a weird sidestepping and that never works in the game. Eventually you're going to get found out. If you're trying to like use a smoke screen to stay in the game, eventually somebody's going to step through it and be like, oh, you're full of shit. It's very weird. Some of these guys seem to know the game. Some of them seem to be oblivious to it. Like Thomas doesn't seem to understand the game. He understands manipulation, the general kind of game of humanity, but he doesn't Mm. understand the game of The Bachelorette in a way that I feel at this point everyone should. But maybe that's just circle of pain talking. I don't know. (laughs) You mean his disregard for his second audience game? Disregard for second audience game, the bad steal he did. Also disregard for first audience game here. To not answer this question about the red flags is a red flag. But I don't think that's, I think that's just how he is. He's not intentionally doing this. I think he's just manipulative. (laughs) Right. And then (laughs) Thomas does, he does some love level adjacent talk. The things I feel, not going to say it's a certain word. My intention is that we're leaving and getting married. Where would you want to live? Katie, TBD, leaves him. I gave that an LL1. My feelings are developing into something. 
But then the other guys um, are talking about Thomas when he returns to the group. I can't well, Thomas that. ITMs that he's rattled and never gets rattled. Fuck me. Then says he's going to sacrifice his second audience to game to fix this. <laughs> Not in those particular words. Yeah, he says he can live with tension with the other guys. A lot of them won't be here next week, but he will be. And now we move into portion seven. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. As small retailers and hospitality businesses continue to grow, it's important that hiring managers have access to quality candidates fast. That's why there's ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your listing to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to millions of job seekers. Then, their matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates and proactively presents them to you, allowing you to actively invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for yourself, for free, at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. And then we get some one-on-one time with Aaron. He's talking about being 19 and his dad having a stroke, and he says it was a wake-up call to him, uh, and he became acutely aware of his own mortality. Thomas, at this point, has decided he's going to do a steal, and he's skulking in the fucking shadows just out of the corner of Aaron's eye, and Aaron gets completely fucked up. And Katie's like, go ahead, finish your story. And he's like, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting rattled by this fucking maniac. The hoverer. Stalking me in the shadows. And then Thomas comes in for the steal, and Aaron fucking grants it. I thought this was a mistake. Yes. Katie was looking. Katie was looking. Is he going to block it? She was watching. She was not going to win. She was staring right at him. I totally agree. (laughs) And she would have gone either way with it. She would have backed him up if he tried to do a block, and he just did not do it. He did not read that situation properly. And then Thomas gets the steal. He gets more one-on-one time. And he says that he had to come express where he was coming from. And he gives us this weird statement about fear and love being the same thing. (laughs) I didn't quite understand that personally. Is that a sociopath (laughs) theory? I I mean, I I didn't understand what he was getting at. They're rooted in the same concept. I think he's saying, like, I felt fear... So that meant I loved you. But he says, I couldn't leave without letting you know how special I see you and how special that how special feeling that fear was again. <laughs> what? He's like talking in these weird circles about energy pulling him to her and all this shit. At a certain point in this, she literally laughs at his ass. Because he is such a fucking <laughs> fool when he's saying this shit. But then she buys it back and was like, I just love how passionate you are. And I'm happy yeah. you're here. And then they fucking kiss. I think she can tell this guy is full of shit. But the producers are like, you got to keep him. Sorry. She doesn't have to make out with him. She makes out with him. Explain that, Clues. Wear your glasses now. <laughs> 
She's a good bachelorette. Look, we know from <laughs> leads in the past, they zero in on one or two players night one, and that almost never changes. It's like, those are the people you're interested in. Everybody else is window dressing. Everybody else is the yeah. producers making a TV show. You're going to have to make out with them to make it believable that this process is working, that you actually care about any of them. Oh, I would make out with every single one. I rest my case, your honor. <laughs> what love level would you give this? Um, fear and love are two very similar things rooted in the same concept. Speech. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. I said two question mark. I don't know. Vague dancing around love. It's a fear level one. <laughs> back at the house the date card arrives it is for michael a loves an adventure he's excited and ready to go on it and then we cut back to the group date james confronts thomas about stealing from aaron thomas says it was an opportunity aaron says <laughs> you saying your time is worth more than mine and he says yes thomas then lies about love level three and katie to the guys and justin's yeah. face play here is off the fucking charts. His reaction is McKenna Dorn level. Powerful eye rolls, giant eyebrows. He is now settling into the face play role of the season. When Thomas says, I told her I was falling in love with her, Aaron says, that's fucking crazy. I think you're full of shit. I wish someone had said this when Luke P did it on that group date. <laughs> like, oh, you're love level threeing right now, bro? We've had one rose ceremony. No, we've had two rose ceremonies. Connor B says it a little later as well. We'll get to that in a second. This questioning of like, you told her you're falling in love with her? That's insane. It's like, excuse me. Do you know where you are? Do you know what is the game <laughs> you're playing? That's the rule of it. You have to do that. But Katie comes back. She uh, sits down and picks up the GDR, the group date rose. Connor B gets a mention. David gets a mention. Hunter gets a mention. And Connor B pulls off the group date rose. Congratulations, Catman. Courtney ITMs his hatred for Thomas. David tells the guy he got turtled by Thomas and he's pissed. Aaron says, pretend we don't know each other <laughs> to Thomas. He says he <laughs> finds him disgusting and repulsive. Fantastic second audience game here. And then Connor B <laughs> says, telling her you're falling in love with her is making a mockery of all of this. Again, that's, that's what this is. You understand that, right? The love levels are a race. Whoever can get to love level four first <laughs> is going to stick around longer. Yeah, Hunter does some love level detective work here. He said in his ITM, he said, he told her he was love level three. Now it's not the case. They're hammering him about exactly what love level he got to. And Aaron ITMs, I find him a shitty human. I think Thomas is a cancer. I think he needs to be cut out. <laughs> Target acquired. Aaron is yeah. a professional rival. <laughs> I mean, for real, there's not a moment where he doesn't have some target, but he's like pretty good at it because he does come across yeah. as for TRR. Victoria Larson had a similar kind of play style, but she was 40 WR to the max. So people hated her. He's actually maintaining a pretty good second audience game while still picking off rivals one by one. Portion eight. A deer chomps on food in the grasses. And this deer was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. I have come up with a narrative for this deer. This deer okay. 
distracts Katie into oh. an IFI before her date even begins. Katie sees this deer. She flips her dune buggy. Interesting. I would buy that if the very next shot wasn't <laughs> the shot of an owl sitting in his nest. And even though this owl isn't moving, this owl is strutting his stuff. This owl was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. I believe it was the owl eliciting a hoot that distracted Katie Thurston while she was driving this ATV around the desert sand and caused her to flip the car over. I have one little problem in that their tail clues. This date took place during the day. The owl could not have been there. Owls are nocturnal creatures. The deer caused the dune buggy crash. (laughs) Well, we may never know. If anyone out there can figure out if it was the deer or the owl that caused the dune buggy crash, please let us know. But either way, the very next thing we see is Katie flips this fucking four-wheeler over and a medic comes out to check on her. And this medic was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Now, this is in stark contrast to when Matt James flipped his four-wheeler with Bree Springs on the back of it. Nobody came to fucking check on them. A producer was like, you guys okay? From like 100 yards away. And they were like, (laughs) yeah, we're good. And they laughed and rubbed mud on each other. Here, at least, you get somebody to come out and check on your lead. I thought this medic was great doing the job that they're paid for. Sure. (laughs) 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 This medic is no Nick Vial. A crown, a second placement relegated to leading the sad circle of pain where we got no details about him. He wasn't shining at all. He was just like a phantom. You just said, you gave your play of the game to Katie Thurston for her historic Mm -hmm. opening up about this past trauma. That happened Mm -hmm. under the watchful eye of Nick Vial in his circle of pain. I'll have you know, he was part of potentially the most historic moment for a bachelorette in the history of the game, at least in terms of where PTCs are concerned. He was barely involved, and he said, uh, thanks for sharing to Katie. So, ooh, I don't know. Where was Caitlin Bristow? In her trailer, in her room Hosting the goddamn show in every goddamn episode this season. Yeah, barely. That's where She's she was. barely hosting. She's we get to doing see her. the dark touch. Vial has never touched anything with his darkness. <laughs> <laughs> he has touched my heart with his darkness. How dare you? <laughs> I know. That's that's beautiful in itself. So anyway, after the deer causes the crash. <laughs> 
Michael loads an LL1. I feel strong for Katie. A hawk flies through the desert. Not the creature of the week. And they go on this date. Katie tells them that she flipped the dune buggy right before picking him up, broke the mirror, and banged up her knee. And Michael kind of starts to load his PTC here. He says he's held off talking about his life because he was looking for the right time. I'm assuming at this point the producers have told him to wait until the night portion to drop his PTC. But he says, I think you're special. He's LL1ing her here. And she says she understands his sacrifice from being away from his child. So however long he's here, she says, she knows the weight it carries. To me, that's not a line that says, I'm going to carry you through to the end of this show. For however long you're here, I know the weight that carries. Look, I know you have a confirmation bias because you famously said Michael would be a night one guy. And mm. I told you about his PTC. You're like, okay, night two. But Michael, Michael's play this episode, I, he is setting up this night PTC, sure. But he's rehitting the package deal during the day. He's saying that he thinks about his son all the time. He felt like he was being a little selfish, but his son deserves the happiest dad. A pause in order to invest a little bit in myself. And I feel like the way that he describes these things, it was poetic. It was like, these are exactly what you want to hear. These are the things that assuage any red flags you might have about someone being a widow. Widower? Widow? What is? I think the guy is widower. A widower. Someone being a widower. Um, and Michael says, I'm experiencing life all over again. Pulls out another poetic line. I always hear this ends in an engagement, but it begins in an engagement. Katie, I love that. So do I. Me, Pace Case. And Michael says, I don't know what will happen if I get super attached to you and you go on other dates, but my life is better because of you right now. Can I kiss you? Katie, abso-fucking-lutely. Michael makes out with her against the dune buggy. Full consent. Great chemistry game during the day. He didn't just say, can I kiss you? He said, can I kiss you? He shy styled (laughs) it. He dipped into shy style right here. And I'm telling you, that works on her. She is a sucker for shy style, or seemingly so. I still don't buy that she's into this guy. I think this is a producer story being driven about the single dad and the the tragedy that he faced. But nonetheless, the result is the same. Maybe he will be, but I don't think it's because of her. Nonetheless, that's the game we're playing is a four-audience game. He's playing a correct game to some fucking audience. The producers probably. So he's playing a pretty good fourth-audience game, too, I must admit. Yes. Oh, we'll get to the, the effect he has had on the fourth audience, meaning me being the sample size. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then we come to portion nine. It is night. The guys are all back at the house and they're talking about Thomas, led by Aaron. He's telling them how Thomas was an asshole at the group date and Aaron is getting all the other guys on his side. Andrew says they don't want this kind of person in the house. And Thomas, it seems, is the only one not there. So this is a producer manufactured moment. 
They have pulled Thomas out, and we're going to see in a moment that it's because he's with Hunter in what is known as a guy chat, but they've gotten literally every other player in this room to talk shit about Thomas in this guy chat, holding Thomas out of it so that they can specifically talk behind his back. Mm-hmm. All producer generated. This is how you find love clues. Oh. I was unaware. Hunter's Hunter's really inserting himself into this as like sort of like the villain STCO. Like he's talking to Thomas being like, oh, the guys are mad at you. Like if this seeps into Rose, we're going to have a really bad night. And then adding some colorful narration of his own in the ITMs. If he digs his ditch further, then I'm out of shovels, which also doesn't make sense. (laughs) He basically is like trying to teach thomas about the second audience game thomas yeah. is basically like i don't care about any of this and he's like yeah dude that i don't give a shit attitude's gonna backfire on you meaning we're all gonna fucking hate you the second audience will turn on you and you will be excommunicated just like carl was i thought that was kind of interesting that he's literally trying to teach him how to play the game and back on the one-on-one date haiti cheers us to being vulnerable it's at the nighttime portion. Her she ITMs. She believes Michael's intentions are so pure. Katie tells him, "For me, it's like we've been talking for a month and finally agreed to talk in person." And here's where Michael brings out the big guns. I've been waiting for a moment for you to learn a little bit about me in order to understand why I'm here. Sixteen years ago, I saw my wife on campus. Her name was Laura. When I saw her, I said, that's it. That's everything. We got married in 2012, and in 2016, we had James, the greatest gift ever. Life was perfect. Then seven months after James was born, Laura was diagnosed with breast cancer. For years, she was an amazing advocate that something courage, grace, humor, as cancer took a stronghold. Her hair was starting to fall out because of chemotherapy. It's still real. Sorry, he's choking up. Tears. Katie says, take your time, Michael. We traveled the country aimlessly trying to find a cure. Every hospital, every clinical trial. In January 2019, she passed away. She was in a room full of people she loved. I was happy she wasn't in pain anymore. As anybody who lost anybody knows, following, the following time to rebuild life is difficult. In the end, I've acknowledged that I know what it's like to love. I know what it's like to give everything. And I have finally gotten to this place where I'm ready to open up my heart. What a gift to be able to fall in love twice. This was my runner-up for play of the game. Yeah, me too. He has a fantastic PTC, and he played it perfectly. Yes. He gets tears out of Katie. It, it was really, I mean, I don't really like Michael A. as a player, but this was fucking beautiful, what he did here. He, he, yes, he did start with this beautiful PTC. He could have just played it. It would have gotten him a couple weeks but what he did here, I felt was magical. He discussed it thoughtfully and respectfully. He talked about how it taught him about love and how he would work to make sure that Katie knew he would make it his job to feel like she knew that their relationship is unique in their own. He pulled self tears. He pulled crown tears. And I can 100% guarantee you he got fourth audience tears. The whole fourth audience at Gore East was crying. That's oh. me. <laughs> Gore West eyes were dry. I cried. 
but he gets the one-on-one rose for his strong PTC play here. And she says that she knows every rose she gives him has weight because she's also offering it to James. She is nice hitting line. that the importance of the package deal here again. She knows what this all means. They kiss. They go to the roof to look at stars. Some more kisses. And she ITMs a love level two. This could be the start of me falling in love with Michael. A rare lead LL2 load. Love to see something like that. And then we begin portion 10. It is morning. We see a bird on a post. Katie sitting on a fence. That's one more sitting on a fence shot to add to your list if you're keeping track at home. And a uh, hawk you? flies overhead. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I am, as you might think. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got glasses for that. <laughs> I got fence glasses. So she Look. ITMs that she's excited for the group date today and she's ready to let loose. And then we come back to the guys and Aaron is telling Connor C that Carl was stupid, but Thomas is smart. He thinks he's a sociopath or a psychopath, he says. And Aaron ITMs that he thinks he's legitimately a manipulative psychopath. David tells Connor B that Thomas said he was falling in love and he has changed that story a bunch of times. And now they all believe him to be a pathological liar. All the guys are kind of unionizing again here. The second audience is solidifying against Thomas and... I don't know. In this moment, I'm just like, I don't think we've ever seen a second audience game this strong that they can just immediately identify whoever they don't want and be like, they're gone. They're gone. And it looks like that's what's going to happen with Thomas here. It's almost like we're not watching a series of love stories of her like getting to fall in love with all of these people. We're just watching like the slow targeting of all the people who are there for TWR as they are. Yeah, the second audience is really becoming more influential. It used to be just like you had to kind of avoid a villain edit. You had to avoid getting in a rivalry or like really pissing people off overtly. Now it's just like if you're a little weird or if you're a little like 4TWR, (laughs) they're going to fucking eliminate you. I wonder if it's because of the COVID season, just like the nature of like everyone being bottled up and just like scrutinizing everyone way more than you would normally totally could be or it's a way to get screen time because hunter now takes it upon himself to call out thomas for being duplicitous in front of all the guys yeah he's kind of switched as the foreman and they essentially enter into this conversation as a group versus thomas and they confront him about his lies his constant smiling feeling like it's fraudulent They say, it's like a campaign. You want to be the bachelor? Is that something you've thought about? And Thomas is dancing around that, just like he danced around the red flags. He says he didn't want to make Hunter feel that way. And Hunter's like, I feel manipulated. So did you think about being the bachelor? And he's asking this fucking question as though that is wrong. This is what I don't understand about this. Every one of those guys has thought about being the bachelor. If you're coming into this show... And that thought has literally never crossed your mind. I just can't imagine that's the case because, you know, statistically, it's the same probability of becoming the bachelor as it is winning the ring. That is a possibility here. And if you become the bachelor, you could maybe have a million ish followers, maybe more. Everybody wants that. Whether you want love or not, you still want a million followers. And that's a way to get it. All of these players are cleaning up their goddamn Instagrams. If you're not doing it to maybe be the next Bachelor, what are you doing it for? 
but here they're using it as like a 4TWR attack and it's going to work because this game is antiquated and that's the <laughs> one of the things that you can't fucking do is be like I want to be the lead. If you say that out loud or even entertain the idea, you're going to get fucking torn apart. And so, unfortunately for Thomas, he finally does come clean and says, "Yes, coming here i thought about being the bachelor but it's no longer in my mind <laughs> which is like okay there's some magical switch that flipped and nobody believes I, him dustin is doing amazing face play during this also i love trey's line you're so good at manipulation and he says like people don't trick me but you've gotten me multiple times <laughs> yeah like, fair play and yeah, Thomas saying, no, now I'm going for the ring. I'm not going for Bachelor. And that's the end of the main body of the document. Not only do we not get a rose ceremony, they're ending it like right before a group date is about to start. I despise when the producers do this, and they are now doing it almost every season. This is following a similar format to the other bubble seasons where they just like cut group dates in half and shit. It's a mess. And we are left with the previews of next week. There's going to be waxing on the group date. Thomas is like really a villain now. The other guys are going against him, tattling. Aaron's yelling. Katie's crying. And uh, our next bachelor, Blake Mines, is going to show up to enter the player pool. And we'll see how that goes for old Blake. Will he become a villain immediately? Will he be ostracized by the second audience? Or will he fit in? And then we get the tag. Mm. Uh... Katie and Michael A. are on the rooftop looking at stars, and Katie doesn't know any of her constellations or planets. <laughs> Clues. Yeah. Who was your MVP? My MVP, I'm sad to say, is Michael A. I, I mean, he was the star of this game. That one-on-one -on -one date was about as textbook as you can get. Their daytime activity was incredibly boring, there was nothing to it. They drove around in a car and then sat on a blanket sipping champagne. And it really brought to light like how shitty these bubble seasons are. Because in a normal mm -hmm. season, that could have been any... They could have been on a fucking boat, helicopter ride, bungee jumping, anything. Who the fuck knows? Here... Playing to Vegas. Exactly. Literally anything. But he got through that quickly and he got to the main meat of that one-on-one, -on -one, which was his PTC at the dinner portion. And that is why Michael A. was my... M M M M M V P. Who you got? For loading his PTC with his gym bros, his strong, consent-heavy chemistry game during the day portion of his one-on-one, his beautiful, heartbreaking PTC that pulled pace case tears at the night portion combined with future casting of how it would translate into him being an unbelievable partner for Katie assuaging any red flags about it and his one-on-one rose Michael A was my M M M M V P Yeah, I mean, look, he's got a very strong PTC. It may be the strongest of any player. He played it extremely well. Exactly textbook how you need to do it. And we'll see how long he lasts, how long he sticks around. We know he's got a little bit of shy style technique, too, that he can bring out. So maybe he'll give Grippo and Connor Catman B a, uh, a run for their money. 
But that is it for this week. Thank you for joining us for our breakdown of tonight's big game. We're going to be coming back in 48 short hours with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to go through all of the news, all the parasocial plays, state of the world, screens from the pit, everything you have come to know and love. We're definitely going to be talking about Rachel Lindsay's article in Vulture on that episode. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, now might be a good time to do it. Next Monday, We have an incredibly special episode coming out. It is a first for us. We did a watch along to the first episode of Love is Blind on Netflix. So how it works is, if you're on Patreon, this episode is going to come out Monday. You start playing the episode. You queue up Love is Blind on your Netflix. And we give you a countdown in the first few minutes of the episode. And when we say play, you play the episode. You listen to our podcast. And you will have basically our running commentary on the show as you're watching it. It was incredibly fun for us to record. I think (laughs) it is going to be very fun to listen to as well. Yeah, it's basically like you're at a watch party with your two unhinged best friends. (laughs) Clues in case. (laughs) Clues has all his glasses on. But yeah, our first foray into a non-bachelor show. Very exciting for us. So we hope you enjoy that. And as always, before we go, what is the Dwab at? It has been 7,029 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now, you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E 
dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.